Welcome, and thank you for tuning in to the Graceland Church Podcast. Our mission is to follow Jesus and love our neighbor for the good of the city. I want to quickly remind you that tonight we have a, a significant gathering in the life of our church called uh, the State of the Church Business Meeting. It's at 5 p.m. right here in this room. Uh, Childcare will be provided. Uh, everyone here is welcome to come. Um, a lot of people in first service, uh, even that aren't members, told me they're going to come and check it out and want to see what's happening. Um, we will be doing some votes, but we'll also be sharing some updates about things we're praying about for next year, some vision that's in our heart. We're going to be electing prayerfully our in-house board. We're going to be adopting, Lord willing, our constitution and bylaws. Um, only members will have voice and vote at the meeting, but everyone is welcome. Um, You'll see on screen, if you're interested in membership, gracelandchurch.com slash growth track. Watch those two teachings. It's very simple. And then there's a few more instructions on that page. And there's a little membership commitment card that you'll see out on the welcome table that you can fill out and place in the box if you're interested in that. And we'll be in touch. I also want to remind you to be prayerful this week about this year's Christmas offering. I'm going to briefly share about it. And then I'm going to get into this message. At the end of each year, we prayerfully seek the Lord about how to allocate this year's Christmas offering. And it's a chance to give our best gift to the Lord and to advance the mission that God has called us to. We thank you for your generosity last year. Here's a few details about what the offering helped us with last year. Number one, it helped us tear down an old dilapidated house uh, that was on our property. If you're newer here, you would have never seen that. Next slide in the back. And it also helped us pay off significantly, I should say not pay off, reduce significantly the debt on this building and some of our land. It also helped us provide financial help for people right here in our community and that are in our church, resources, people who struggled throughout 2021, and it helped us build our expansion fund. So thank you for that. Um, this year, here's the initiatives. And let me just clarify again, I said it earlier, but zero pressure, especially newcomers, but we wanna share this with our church family. This year, number one, we believe it is critical to pay off the remaining debt on this building and some of the land to make way for what God is calling us to do next year and the following year. I probably don't have to convince you guys at all, but it's not wise to take on more debt until you have paid off your current debt. Who's with me? That's what we want to do. So I'm happy to say we're down to like 130,000 debt on this. That's over 100,000 less than where we were last year at this time, which means we paid way more down than our monthly payment. And that's thanks to your, thanks to your guys's obedience and generosity before God to be giving to that in radical ways. We want to have that completely paid off by this time next year. And it starts with a, a hopefully, Lord willing, a giant boost from this Christmas offering. Number two, our benevolence fund helps those who are underserved and in need, and it really makes a tangible difference in people's lives all the time. Um, I don't know if you know this, but people asks, ask churches for money all the time. Um, we get requests, people stop by, and we have ways that we serve people and things that we can do. Um, we want to, especially with this benevolence fund, serve those in our church family that come into crisis. And we do that every single year but we also wanna be able to bless those that just come to us in ways that are practical. We're very wise about it. It's not just like handouts and it's not repeated handouts. So it's, we have a system with it, but that benevolence fund that gets built up partially from this Christmas offering, we also budget for it, sets us up for 2022. And then our expansion fund or kingdom builders fund goes towards the upcoming projects that expand ministry reach, build the kingdom and make room for growth. So we have several projects uh, that we're praying about, dreaming about, thinking seeking counsel about. We need some more space for 
kids ministries, youth ministries, classes. We're thinking about ways that we can bring the community to our property, to the land of the great, to the land of grace. And we're building the fund, so we have the basic funds there to get started when the time is right. We have an audacious goal this Christmas of sixty thousand dollars. It's really a miracle number for us. There's no way we get even close to that apart from a lot of people in our church family really feeling inclined to step up. My wife and I, every year, we do a couple things. We try to increase our regular giving every year. So we, we do more than a 10% tithe because we try to up it every year if we can. We also give above that every month to the missions program here, which is incredible. And you'll be hearing more about that as we get into the new year. And then we want to have money available for offerings. We take offerings for missionaries and projects and compassion work all year. And the biggest one is this one at the end of the year, the Christmas offering. So usually my wife and I, a number pops into our mind. And uh, then we talk about it. And we usually say something like, I don't think we can afford that. And then we wonder, we, we try to be wise about where we're spending other money. Ultimately, we always settle into, let's pray about it. And let's just see what God puts on our heart. And we've had multiple times when we felt like God has stirred us to give more than we thought we could, um, and then God has provided. And it's kind of just like steps of faith. Sometimes God has then provided more than we needed. I'm not saying that always happens. It's not like a magic trick. Regardless, it is a step of faith where you're trusting the Lord. And I'm not begging or pleading with anyone to give. I completely trust the Lord about this, but I'm encouraging you to seek the Lord for yourself uh, about this. So I wanted to share those details. Couple frequently asked questions. We are officially collecting the offering next Sunday and the Sunday after, but it's open all the way until January 9th. The only way to get giving credit, though I I know that's not our motive for it, but the only way to give getting credit for taxes is if you give it by December 31st before that day is over. Um, Every year we have people that show up on January 1st or 2nd with some money saying, can you pretty, pretty please just slide this in and say it came in? And I'm like, nope, absolutely not breaking the law, I'm sorry. So I'm just being really clear up front. Lastly, and this sounds self-serving, but it's true. Should I detract from my regular giving for this offering? No, this is designed to be above and beyond your normal giving that we bank on for our general budgeting. So thank you guys in advance. Um, I, I approach these things by faith. Thank you in advance for being faithful to how God has called us all to use our resource to do what he has called us to do together. Today, we're in part two of our Advent series, Last Sunday, Heather shared a phenomenal message about the first candle of Advent, hope. And this Sunday, we've lit the second candle of Advent, peace. The Hebrew word for peace, as used in the text that we're looking at today, is shalom. Shalom is often used by Jews as a greeting, but it has many more meanings. Check it out on the screen. It means completeness, wholeness, rest, safety, soundness, tranquility, prosperity, fullness, harmony, lack of worry the absence of agitation or of discord. And as I've been preparing this message about peace, what has really stood out to me is the glaring lack of peace in our world and in many people that I cross paths with on a regular basis. We all want peace. We all want to walk in it every day, but we get sometimes assaulted with what I call disruptors of the peace on a regular basis every day. Who can attest to that? For a fun experiment, I decided to spend one whole day this week journaling in my phone about every potential disruptor of the peace that came my way from the moment I woke up. It was this past Thursday. I'm gonna take you through some of it. Sorry if this is TMI, but I woke up. When I wake up, sometimes I do wake up with a joyful attitude. 
and I'm like right at the feet of Jesus and I'm like, oh, thank you for this day. And it's like a Broadway show and I have a song in my head and I'm like, here we go. That happened more when I was younger. <laughs> it happens less now. I think because of responsibility. Now, a lot of times when I wake up, the first thing that hits my mind for better or for worse is just everything I have to do. And the, the massive chunk of like decision-making energy that I need and how is this all gonna get done? That's how I woke up on Thursday, just being really honest. And when that happens, it can feel kind of heavy immediately. And I have to immediately decide, am I gonna carry that? Or am I gonna shake it off and just choose joy and choose trust? On Thursday, I chose joy, I chose trust. Then I walked down into my home. I'm at the stage of life where I have four kids that we're raising between three and 12. Um, if you've ever done that, you know that kids are a tremendous blessing, but they are also tremendous disruptors of the peace. <laughs> They're professionals at disrupting peace. If they got paid for being disruptors of the peace, they would be billionaires. Let's just put it that way. And they're amazing. I absolutely love my kids. But I feel like parenting is one giant exercise of the disruptor of peace. <laughs> this particular day, and I wrote some of these things down, um, I had multiple kids who couldn't find the clothes they wanted to wear for school. That's a big deal in our house. Couldn't, we were out of the right cereal. Someone ate the last of the honeycombs. That's a huge deal. And all it left was the multigrain Cheerios. People couldn't find their um, snack bag and their lunch bag for their lunch at school. And I had about 100 opportunities within 10 minutes to have my peace disrupted. And I wrote about them. You guys have your own versions of that. Probably similar if you have little kids. Um, or maybe you're in a totally different stage of life and your mornings look really different, but you can think about whatever your potential disruptors of peace are. Then um, we have our family relationships or how we relate to our loved ones or our roommates or who, whoever we're living with. And this happened with me and Jess on Thursday morning when I wrote it down, so I'm just gonna share it. And you guys can help me. Can we go into marital counseling for a minute for Jess and I? She's not here today, so um, make sure you're on my side. Let me just put it that way. This is a chance for you to be really honest with me. She'll never see this. One of our fundamental gentle disagreements is I think we need to get rid of about 50% of our stuff. It just needs to be gone out of the house. We have way too much stuff in all categories, particularly when it comes to children's toys. Now, I should say, part of the reason we're like this is because my wife is so gifted, truly, at finding great deals and like getting things for free. She'll show up with like those big electric toy cars for kids that actually drive that cost hundreds and hundreds of dollars. And she'll be like, look what I got for free. Isn't it great? And I'm like, that's great, but there's two more right next to it. And we should probably get rid of these three things you brought home three weeks ago. And now the kids have seen it. She's like, we'll just make the kids choose. And I'm like, but now they saw all of it. How are they going to? And so who's on my side? Just tell me. I don't see enough hands going up right now. Wow. Who's on my wife's side? One, two. Three, first service had a lot more on my wife's side. It's funny, but in all seriousness, we had a little argument about it on Thursday morning, and so it was a potential disruptor of the peace, right? You, you guys know what I'm talking about. The point being, we face potential disruptors of the peace the most in our closest relationships. So then I came in to work, which for me is coming here to the lovely land of grace. It was Thursday morning, so our mom life team was already here setting up for the Reclaiming the Season banquet, which by the way, who was there? Wasn't that incredible? 
It was an amazing thing. Shout out to the Mum Life team. It was like 130 sold out seats. This thing, it looked like a beautiful banquet hall in here. It was food. Nicole C. Mullen was here and shared amazingly. You can see some videos on Stephen Houlet's Facebook page because he videoed and shared them. They were all setting up. There were lights getting set up out in the, um, around our property, you know, on some of our trees. I got up to my office and I sat down and it's similar to when I wake up in the morning. I, sometimes I sit down to get into work and I'm just filled with joy and gratitude. Other times I sit down and all I can think about is the list. And so you have that choice of heaviness or anxiety or can I do this or wow, I'm so grateful for what I get to do right now. And that's a hard choice every day. Who's with me, right? We're just being really honest. I had a friend recently say this, and I thought it was such a sobering, uh, tragic, but honest cry of the heart. He said, I'd give all my material possessions to lose my anxiety. And I thought that was such a profound cry that is indicative of where our culture is right now. So I got into my work, and then I started thinking through various things and not getting distracted, staying focused, see if I could meet deadlines. Then the reality of pastoral care started. A lot of what I do throughout the week is just pastoral care with people. People call me and need prayer. This is going on. They want to meet. They want to talk through challenges. So I wrote down a few questions that came just within short, short amounts of time. Is my job still going to be there next year? Do I have enough money for college? Is my marriage going to survive? How am I going to deal with my child? When will the attacks stop? Do I have enough for retirement? Should I ask her to marry me? Should I buy a house or wait? Is our country going to make it? My life is walking with people through those questions all the time, and I'm grateful for that, and that was happening on Thursday morning. We have a number of people in our church that are going through loss of loved ones right now. There's a funeral this afternoon. There's four or five family members that have died just in the past week and a half of people in our church family. And I had a friend say, please remember during the season of magnified joy, there's also magnified grief, which is true. My pastoral care is never more busy than around Thanksgiving and Christmas because there is magnified joy, but there's also magnified grief because of losses that people have experienced. Then I decided to check the news. And I wasn't TV, but I have different things that I look at and sources. You guys know there was a school shooting this week that ended fatally for four kids, I think, and seven others injured. Tragic. I'm in tears every time I read that. We had a school shoot scare right here in our area. I don't know if you guys saw that. I think in Chapel Hill, a number of our families, it's their kids' school, and there was a social media threat. They had to lock down the whole school. Thankfully, nothing happened, but youth from our church were there when it happened. We are in a season of constant political conflict, literally. We are in constant spiritual conflict. You guys know this, but it's becoming harder to be a follower of Jesus in our country. While we don't face persecution, like our brothers and sisters in some parts of the world, not even close, our faith is still under attack here in many ways. Our culture has redefined sin. We call what is evil good. We call what is good evil. And at this point, I stopped the list because it was only 10.30 a.m. in the morning. How many can relate to mornings like that? We are bombarded with disruptors of peace. So what do we do? How do we walk in peace the context of the 
promise and the prophecy that we're looking at was in the time of Isaiah, the prophet, and they were not experiencing peace. They were in profound spiritual conflict, profound political conflict, more than we have ever tasted, profound military conflict. This is 700 years before the birth of Jesus. Isaiah 9, 6 shines like a beacon and says, for to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. I can barely read it. Seven hundred years after that was written, it was a similar time. There was instability, there was conflict. This is before the birth of Jesus. The lack of peace creates fear, doubt, and stress throughout the entire society. Judah was in financial disaster. There was little food. There was not enough money. There was not adequate paths for people to provide for themselves. In the middle of all that conflict, there were some shepherds hanging out. And in Luke 2, 8 through 14, an angel appeared to them and said, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. I can't read the scripture without crying this morning. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Two overarching truths to frame this short message. In the middle of chaos and conflict, Jesus brings lasting peace. Those are your notes. Doesn't peace with no end sound incredible? And then just as important, Lasting peace is not possible apart from Jesus, the Prince of Peace. It said in Isaiah, he will be called Prince of Peace. Let's get it into our hearts and minds. We will not know lasting peace apart from the Prince of Peace. And I want to give four quick encouragements, ways to walk in peace. And I'm asking you, don't let another Christmas go by without learning to walk in peace in these four areas. Number one, through the Prince of Peace, be at peace with God. Be at peace with God. This is what the gospel, the good news, offers us. And I don't know if you know this or have felt this, but when we're not walking with the Lord, when we're in darkness, when we're in sin, we are at odds with God. It's like we're, it's like we're fighting him. And he loves us. He's with us. He's committed to us. He would do anything for us. It's clear in scripture. But we're fighting him. And likewise, even sometimes after we know Jesus, we're still fighting him about our life. We're wrestling with, do we really go his way? Or do we continue to cling to our own way? And everything in between. So there is this fighting where we often find ourselves yet 
The invitation could not be more clear in scripture. You were created to walk at peace with God. Romans 5.1, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. My prayer for you is to walk at peace with your creator. The gospel goes like this. We have all sinned. We're all broken. The wages of sin, the wages of our choices to run from him is the logical consequence, separation from God. But while we were still sinners, Christ dies for us so that all who call on his name can be saved. And when we confess with our mouth that he is Lord and we put our faith in him, we will be saved. And we have the invitation to life everlasting and peace everlasting. And I just wanna encourage you, live in that reality every day and walk at peace with the living God. Isn't that an incredible invitation? You don't have to fight him. You don't have to fight his way, his purpose, his time. Number two, through the Prince of Peace. And by the way, this is one we need to talk about a lot more because we don't realize this enough in the church, I believe. Through the Prince of Peace, be at peace with yourself. Many of us meditate on the negative things that we think about ourselves all day long. And then those days turn into weeks and those weeks turn into years. Negative meditation never leads to lasting peace and change. But acceptance of God's truth, including what he says of us, leads to lasting peace and change. Did you know, when you let yourself meditate on lies about yourself, scripture actually says that that is sin because it causes you to miss God's mark for you. He commands you to walk in the truth of who you are. And he tells you who you are. And he says, whatever is true, think about that, including who you are. There's been a misunderstanding, I believe, in church circles where we get so down on ourselves because, of course, we confess our brokenness and sin before the Lord. He reveals the depths of our darkness to us, but we lay it at his feet and he redeems us and he calls us his own, his beloved. And we're not meant to carry this condemnation and these lies about us. It is a heavy burden that will crush you that you're not created to carry. And so I just wrote down a few declarations. They'll, they'll go on screen. I'm gonna speak them to you, but read these for yourself. You need to fill your mind with this. You are the beloved of God. You are an actual masterpiece. You are made holy by God. You are chosen by God. You are forgiven. You are a new creation. You are redeemed. You are a child of God. You're worth more than gold. Do not underestimate how valuable you are to those around you. And do not underestimate how profound a gap there would be in this world without you. And you can be at peace with yourself through the Prince of Peace. Doesn't it sound amazing? to walk in complete peace with who you are. Complete peace about how he designed you. Complete peace about your place in this beautiful world he created. Complete peace about your role in eternity, even though we have no idea what it's actually gonna look like. I pray this Christmas, you won't pass another one without learning to walk in deeper peace 
with yourself. Number three, through the Prince of Peace, be at peace with others. When I talk to people about this, usually they're like, really? In this political climate, in this confusion and chaos, you want me to be at peace with others at my job, at my home, in my school, around the Thanksgiving or Christmas table? You should see the way they act. You should see what these people do. Everyone starts throwing up their sacrifices to the altar of why they're not at peace with others. But scripture says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Live at peace with who? Everyone, as far as it depends on you. And I wanna clarify, this is important. This does not mean agree with everyone. I believe our peace with others is actually an indicator about our peace with God and ourself. Listen to how Thomas Merton put it. Man is not at peace with his fellow man because he is not at peace with himself. He is not at peace with himself because he is not at peace with God. And so scripture gives this to us over and over again. The miracle of being at peace with God leads to the miracle of being at peace with self. And the miracle of being at peace with self leads to the miracle of being at peace with others. And so my prayer is that this Christmas season, you won't let it pass without making actual progress in living at peace with others. Who do you need to forgive? Forgiveness is a regular practice for us followers of Jesus. Who do you need to apologize to? What do you need to own? Scripture is so strong about the offense and forgiveness that it says, if you go to worship the Lord and there realize that you have something against your brother or sister or, or, or they have something against you, go, go do what you can to take care of it first, then bring your worship to the Lord. And you've ever noticed when you're really carrying offense in your heart and you're really bitter or angry about something, you really can't worship. Have you noticed that? You can't just like enter in and be like, Lord, it's all yours. He's gonna immediately turn your heart towards that situation. And let me clarify again, it doesn't mean you're best friends with everybody. You can be at peace with people and have total forgiveness towards them and never see them again, <laughs> right? And that can be good. But you wanna be ready if you have to see them again. You don't wanna hurt yourself by letting it build up in your own heart. So I'm not saying you're best buddies with everybody. You're not living in a fake world. You're not just putting up with the people that have abused you. You're not, it's not like you ignore the reality of, of the things like that. Those are all real, but it's up to you with what you do in your heart. And that either helps you or hurts you. And we have this invitation to be at peace with others. Lastly, well, actually, before I share the last one, this is critical in church, too, because, yes, we have to live at peace with those who don't know Jesus. Imagine how important it is to be at peace with the body of Christ. And not just our own church family, but our brothers and sisters of any church family around us. One of the things I do intentionally on a regular basis is I lock arms and I get to know every other pastor around here. You could point to almost any church in this area and I've met with the pastor and I know them and I know their story. They know my story. I haven't gotten through every single one yet. And we are on the same team 
And we are not in competition. We are not fighting for people. We are on the same mission together. And by doing that, we're hopefully fulfilling a little bit more of what Jesus said in John 13. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. He's talking to the Christians. So me and these other pastors, we wanna love each other well. We wanna sacrifice for each other. We wanna serve one another so that the world will know that we are his disciples. And we want that to filter through our churches. We want, we want our church to be in unity. We want Conduit to be in beautiful unity. We want Gateway right down the street to be in beautiful unity. We want Esperanza to be in beautiful unity. And we wanna be in unity with them as the larger church. This is what God has called us to. We walk at peace with our brothers and sisters. Number four, through the Prince of Peace, be at peace in the storm. This is a misconception, and we'll end with this, but peace does not mean everything going right. You can have peace in the middle of the worst circumstances, and we sometimes have this mindset, as soon as all these storms settle, then I will be at peace. As soon, here's one of my own. As soon as my kids reach this stage, then I will be at peace. As soon as I enter this new financial category, then I will be at peace. As soon as all these situations work out, maybe then. There's a show called America's Got Talent, um, and we were watching it with our family a little while back, and this young woman came on who's a singer-songwriter, and she looked very thin and a little bit sick, and her, her artist name is Nightbird. Did anybody see this? Phenomenal artist. I believe a Christian, as far as I can tell. And her story gradually came out, and of course, those shows, uh, they're trying to tell stories, and... She turns out she had cancer in many places in her body. At the time of that audition, she has a 3% chance of living, and she's lost her marriage. She's lost all the dreams of her life. She's thinking she's probably going to die, and she had this profound quote to the judges, and this really artic was articulated in her song as well. You can't wait for life to be perfect before you are happy. And this is the same idea with peace. And our culture gravitated around this young woman, which I'm so, I'm so glad. And, and I'm following her Instagram and her communication. She's a phenomenal writer, not just in music. She's, like, she's a, a wonderful poet. And we love the story. You know why? Because we long for real-life examples of true peace in the midst of the storm. We long for that. You know why? Because we're created for that. Because that's part of the invitation from Jesus. And this young woman is living that out. And that invitation goes for you as well, whatever your storm. And Jesus, in the middle of an actual storm, Scripture calls it a furious squall. It's this well-known story in Scripture where this storm comes, the disciples are freaking out, and it says that Jesus, where's the exact language, was sleeping on a cushion. <laughs> and they said, teacher, don't you care if we drown? And so Jesus got up, rebuked the wind, and said, quiet, be still. And the wind died. He said, why are you afraid? You still have no faith. And they were terrified and said, who is this? Even that the wind and waves obey him. That's how we feel when we're in the storm and we feel like God is not coming through us, coming through for us. And we wonder, Jesus, why are you sleeping in the boat? But I believe Jesus is actually modeling something for us. He's literally sleeping in the middle of a storm because he knows who he is. He knows who his father is. And it's not a threat to him. And I believe you and I are invited to learn how to sleep in the middle of furious squalls because we know who we are and who he is and he is faithful. And then we also can live in the name of Jesus and speak to the storm, be still, and declare the name of Jesus over the storm. Our pastor emeritus has one of my favorite quotes about storms. He says, you can be in the storm, just don't let the storm get in you. 
So don't think because you're in a storm that you can't walk in peace. God wants to teach you in the midst of the storm to sleep and have deep rest and be at peace. Then you're untouchable. You know who you are. You know who he is. Why can Jesus do this? Because he's the prince of peace. Why can we do this? Because we've been invited into the life of the Prince of Peace. And we've been made new by the Prince of Peace. Let me have the band come up. He will be called Prince of Peace. Paul Massey has a great quote. Jesus is not merely a teacher of peace or one who proclaimed peace. Jesus doesn't just represent peace. No, Jesus is peace. He is literally peace in the flesh. And when we come to truly know Jesus and not just know about Jesus, a miracle begins. Then, when we also begin to hang out with Jesus on a daily basis, his heavenly peace starts to totally saturate us, body, soul, and spirit. You may have had great encounters with God that have changed you, and that's good, and I pray you'll have more. But you also need to learn how to daily walk in truth so that you can walk in peace. For example... If you struggle especially with peace with yourself and you just can't get the negativity out, I believe God wants you to learn to do the daily work of walking in the truth of who you are and literally rewire and renew your brain. To illustrate, and then we're gonna sing this song and close. I've had eczema since I was a little kid. When I was a kid, it came on my hands and feet and I would have to put ointment all over my hands and feet every night and wrap my hands and feet in wax paper and put socks over them and sleep. <laughs> and, and hopefully it would heal my hands they would get, and my feet. They would get infected sometimes. It was terrible. In my adulthood, that went away, which I'm thankful for, but it's manifested in my eyes. And it took me about five years to diagnose this, that at people with eczema, this can happen to. My eyes can completely dry out at night because eczema is, is dry skin. My eyes can totally dry out and my eyelids can attach to my eyeballs while I'm sleeping so that if I'm startled or awake too much, when my eyelid opens, it lacerates my eyeball. And it's happened probably a dozen times. Thanks for the Oz, by the way. That made me feel good. It's ha- it happened about... <laughs> my wife doesn't give them to me anymore. I got to get them somewhere. I'm just kidding. <laughs> It happened at least a dozen times before I could get it diagnosed. It happened on a cross-country drive. It's happened on work days. And when it happens really bad, I'm out of commission for like four days. No joke. I'm like a vampire. I can't go outside because the light destroys me. I'm crying. I can't open my eyes. I have to get contacts. Couldn't figure out what was wrong. Some of the doctors were saying surgery. Finally, a doctor said, no, you need to learn to do the very intense daily work of moisturizing your eyeball. And I was like, okay. And he gave me this ointment, and it's, ba- it's as thick as bacitracin, and it's for eyes. And every single night of my life for the last three years, I take a giant glob of that and put it in both eyes. And I can't even see for like five minutes when I do it, and it settles. And then very first thing when I wake up in the morning, every morning, it's even superseded going to the bathroom. I get up, and I put eye drops in my eyes immediately. And ever since I've learned the daily work, I haven't had one laceration. And I guarantee you, if I didn't do the daily work, I would start having lacerations again, and it would destroy me. And this is what it is to walk in the truth of who you are. This is what it is to walk in the truth of the gospel so you're at peace with God, peace with self, peace with others, peace in the storm. You must do it daily. 
or else you will lose it. You will wander off somewhere else. Your mind will go over there. So that's my encouragement to you. And we're going to close by singing the new song we learned last week and literally speaking the name of the Prince of Peace over our life and every situation. Let's make an altar at our seat. Let's seek the Lord. Father, thank you that you're with us. Thank you for the power of your word. Thank you that you are the Prince of Peace. Thank you that your word cuts like a knife to the point that I I can't even read your scripture this morning without weeping before you, God. You have all power. And I pray for every person in these few minutes of response before we go, that your presence, your word, your voice would just slice into the very fabric of their life and circumstance and bring life and hope and peace. In Jesus' name, let's sing this, church. So powerful, the presence of God with us. If you just close your eyes with me, I'm not going to look around at all, um, but let's get in our minds whatever it is that's a disruptor of peace, what bubbles up into your mind or your heart, what might be keeping you up at night, what worry, what fear. It could be one of the things we talked about. Maybe you don't know if you're at peace with God and you need to cry out. Maybe you forgot that peace with self is even possible, or maybe you have severe broken relationships and peace with others seems absolutely impossible, or maybe you're just in a furious storm. Get whatever it is into your mind. And with our eyes closed, let's just make a physical response. If you're wanting to just hand this over and and speak the name of Jesus, Prince of Peace, just join me and, and raise your hands up a little bit. Or you could put them really low if you want, or it doesn't matter, but I'm not I'm not even gonna look at all. And and what we're saying is, God, this is yours. And we're saying, I speak the name of Jesus, the Prince of Peace, over this. And I will not carry it. I will not bear the weight of this because, Jesus, you've called me to lay my burdens at your feet. And all things are possible through you. So rewire my brain. Do a miracle in my heart. Do a miracle in me. Do a miracle in others. Show up in power. The name of Jesus, the Prince of Peace, that changes all things that brings light to the darkness. And let's just, with these hands raised and eyes closed, sing this chorus just two more times over these these situations. Your name is power. Let's sing it. Lord, we thank you for your peace. We thank you for the things you're gonna do in these situations. We thank you that you are faithful. Even before we see total healing or total transformation, we thank you in advance. Right now, we thank you, God. Our hearts rise up in gratitude for what you do, what you have done. In Jesus' name we pray. I'll pray this benediction over us, and then we'll be dismissed. Let us go with Jesus, the light who guides us on our way. May our hope be that the Son of Justice will rise in all humankind. May the God of peace, our constant companion, lead us along paths of joy and hope and give us the joy of being united in God's love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Love you guys very much.